This is Alex Addix from the Practical Defense Podcast. You're listening to Karate Cafe, the show that's been on so long, the first episode was broadcast via telegraph. Welcome to Karate Cafe, your source for martial art conversations since 2005. Karate Cafe is sponsored by Piranha Gear. Go to www.piranagear.com for all your martial art equipment needs. And now the voices of the rest of the world's martial arts, and by default, Texas, Dan and Paul. Hello again, everybody. It's Paul here with Karate Cafe and with me as usual. <laughs> and uh, for the first time this year is our good friend Dan Williams. Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, good. That is, that it is the first time this year, isn't it? It is. Well, we you know we we took our time on the holidays. We took a little a little respite. Uh, we're we're buying houses. We're selling houses. We're, That's right. We're we're moving. We're shaking. We're taking care of technical issues at the massive Karate Cafe studio. Yes, yeah, so li- life is happening. Life is happening. It's hard being yes. an internet radio show and, and keeping it up. Well, it's it's difficult to be an internet radio superstar and keep up on the rest of your life, you know? Exactly. They <laughs> We're known, we're loved, we're hated, we're ignored, but... Uh, That's right. I mean, the millions of dollars help. Exactly, because yes. as... Because... Uh, as today, as we record this, uh, what t- yesterday actually <clears throat> was uh, K Day, which uh, some of the listeners may remember. We were doing a, a sort of little fun drive. I stole it from a, another uh, podcast that that I love, and that was a good idea. Which was K Day, and I'm going to try and do this like every month, uh, just in, until like no one cares anymore, I guess, <laughs> or people start uh, shelling out dough and uh anyway what k-day was is basically you just forego something on a certain day it was the 15th of the month is what i picked and uh uh, what we did was we just said okay you know forego something and you guys can donate or go to amazon and uh, buy some stuff using our link and uh, help uh, move the economy forward and make sure the terrorists don't win and uh the results are in uh, and we had uh, one official donation. We had, um, I think, eight people went to the, uh, or eight purchases from the Amazon store. It may have been the same person buying eight things. I'm not sure. I don't have all that. Uh, they won't let me drill down that deeply. But, uh, so we got that. And then we actually had a, when I mentioned K-Day the first time, we got a donation immediately after that. So before the official K-Day, we got a, a donation, and uh, and we appreciate that. And, uh so I'm going to lump that so, in. So, so Karate Cafe helping to fight terrorism. That's right. That's right. By by moving it forward. And, well, that's uh, right. Yeah, keeping the server running and uh, <laughs> thereby, the you know paying host fees. The hosts are paying electricity. Uh, you know we're buying stuff from Amazon. Buying there stuff. To, there, there's people that are maintaining the the power lines. Yeah. Uh, you know and maintaining the servers. So we are employing people as well. Right. So if you're not uh, donating to Karate Cafe. Why do you hate America? Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't get that. Why people hate America so much? I don't know. But uh, well, <laughs> at, at least you know, uh, you know, three people, perhaps maybe more, uh, appreciate America and our fine freedoms enough to. And of course, our international listeners, uh, you know, they can they can you know still love America uh, as, as it goes. They um, can. And even if even if you don't love America, I mean, hating terrorism seems like. A, a good thing, no matter where you are. Exactly. So you know, just so hey, you know, so next month or anytime you would like, you can you know forego a little something, and uh, it's good for the soul and good for the podcast. So we appreciate everyone who yeah. uh, donated or bought stuff. Well, and I think the one donator said that uh, he or she just packed their lunch, and they they brought lunch to work instead of going out to work, and the money they would have spent on going out, they donated to the to the to the podcast. So. That's a great idea. Right. And uh, then they probably recycled the brown bag, so that's good for the environment. <laughs> See, there, there are many pluses and almost no negatives to donating to uh, right. the, the oldest Helping all kinds of podcast. people. Right, the exactly. Oldest, uh-huh, nice. We're, we're, doing, we're doing what we can. We're doing what we can. The, the, the uh, first and best, right? Exactly. So we have a, a really great topic that uh, we're going to get into and talk about, uh, well, I guess right now, basically – and and what would that topic be, Paul? That topic would be, are you Rocky or are you Mickey? Hello, 
walk into the ring with the number one heavyweight of the world. You'll be ready, won't you? Why? Because I waited for 50 years to make you ready. You'll be able to spit nails, kid. Like the guy says, you're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. You're going to become a very dangerous person. Now, I was a little confused when you first presented this topic to me because the first Mickey I think of is Mickey Mouse. And, and those so, who have seen my technique will probably agree. <laughs> so we're not talking about Mickey Mouse. We're talking about Rocky, well, Rocky Balboa, uh, and Mickey, his trainer. Right, exactly, played by uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone and the late, great uh, Burgess Meredith. Uh, wow, <laughs> I, nice. This act- this actually started out as kind of a thing when we moved into uh, – I can't remember if I told you or mentioned on the podcast, but we moved to a new location, and it's a it's a bigger location, and it's got um, heavy bags, which yeah, I love, and I've been, I've been wanting a heavy bag forever. But anyway, so I started kind of incorporating the heavy bags into our workout, and so as the um, – Guys were were working, and you know I would work them in and have them doing punches and and kicks and whatnot. And so what I, as I was kind of having them do the the technique, I thought in my mind popped all I could hear was Mickey from from Rocky. Come on, Rock. Exactly, you know, <laughs> catch a chicken, Rock, catch a chicken. So <laughs> catch a chicken. <laughs> and and I actually probably doesn't come out over the internet radio show as as well as as it does in real life. But I actually do a pretty passable uh, Mickey from from Rocky. Anyway, yeah. that, so, that means you bring chickens into the dojo. I do, well, you know, I do. Oh, yeah, we're in see? Texas. You know, no one can stop us doing what we do here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but in Texas they just shoot the chickens. So exactly. I don't know, I, I don't know if that was the intention. Because we got lots of guns. <laughs> uh, anywho, so. Uh, what I did was I actually, uh, you know, that kind of got me thinking, you know, kind of in that in that that mode of of things because I, you know, I'm, I'm showing the boxing techniques that I know, which are you know few and far between. But what uh, actually kicked it off deeper was uh, we were sparring one night, and I was sparring. Uh, we have a, a guy training with us. He's a second degree in our system. He started at another school, and he he moved to Dallas. So uh, after he got his black belt, anyway. Um, the man's hard. I mean, he's training to be a Dallas police officer, and he works out all the time. He's he's a really good fighter. Uh, he's fast. He's strong. So uh, one night we were we were going at it, and uh, you know we ended up on the floor and we were rolling around and whatever. And and he got me in a a good armbar, and uh, so I tapped out, and and so after you know the, you know the first part of that doesn't sound very good that you guys were going at it, rolling around on the floor. That's okay. But I, dig, I so, sorry to uh, interject. I'm feeling a little silly today, I guess. Prop 8 got overturned. I'm okay. okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's the political portion of our podcast. Yeah, there you go. And close. All right. <laughs> so we uh, we got done, and, and in my head I was thinking like, you know, well, I didn't really do that well. Uh, and, you know, yeah. uh, I held my own. I felt pretty good because, I mean, like, he just, like, cut through everybody else. I mean, he doesn't mess around. Uh Anyway, I held my own until, you know, he got me on the ground and he was going for a, a Kimura and uh, the time ran out on the timer. Yeah. So that was about the only thing that really actually saved me there. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so as I was thinking about it, I told I told him, I said, well, you know, I said, we need to start sparring like every class because you're much better than I am at sparring. Because, you know, I've, I've said, you know, I don't really spar. Uh, you know, we do our – we take everything from a defensive angle. But anyway, uh, so – but you know, just punch kick sparring, and uh, I, I need to spar him more to kind of bring up my game, and uh, and he said, and he said, yeah, I need to work on my reaction time, and I said, why? He says, well, because you hit me like four or five times, I didn't even see it coming, and I was like, I did, you know, kind of. <laughs> that. I was like, what? Because I remember we were on the floor and you were on top of me, and you know, right. anyway. Uh, so anyway, that kind of got me thinking. Was like, oh, okay, you know, but then. A day or two went by, and I thought about it, my little thinky thoughts, and uh, I kind of realized that, you know, I'm never really going to be that great of a spar, a punch-kick spar. I, I never have been, and I've been doing it in a while. Uh, and I was talking with somebody about this thing, and, and you know, we're talking about, you know, our students and, and, and whatnot, and I said, well, you know, I know more than they do. So, like, when we when we spar, when we, you know, we get into a defensive situation or whatever, I can always pull out more than they have for right now. Right. And uh, as Ian Abernathy uh, said on his podcast uh, last week, he said, you know, 
you're, you should always want your students to surpass you. Your students should always be aiming to surpass you. And uh, and so then that got me kind of into thinking along with working with the bags and thinking about Mickey is like, well, you know, you know, am, am I Mickey or am I Rocky? You know, uh, right. As, as we were talking about in the green room before the show, that yeah. you know, Rocky was a great fighter. But he was trained by Mickey, and he only became a really great fighter after he trained with Mickey. Right. But now and Mickey then, is, you know, was obviously not a world championship boxer, but he understood the game well enough to train somebody. Exactly. So, but on the flip side is you probably don't want to get punched by Mickey either because he knows how to punch, right? Right. So I guess, and probably to, to open up the topic and let Dan actually talk, is, you know, in your training... Is it okay to be Mickey? Should you want to be Rocky? Is it you know? Is it okay to go from one to the other? Uh, what do you think, Dan? Well, I I I think the. Let me see if I can organize my thoughts well enough to put a coherent sentence together. Um, I think the reality is of it is that um, there are really a handful of, say for example, world class athletes. Um, and so if, if one of the things I learned early on in the martial arts is that there's always someone better than you. And even if you're in that world-class athlete tier, uh, on any given day, there may be someone better than you. So I, I, I kind of have a knee-jerk reaction to, um, you know, I got to be able to kick my students' ass, uh, so th- and that's what justifies me being able to teach them. And even at the level of, you know, if 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 this guy came to you and said, "Well, the only thing I want to learn to do is fight, and that's what I want to focus on, and that's the thing I want to be great at," then. I mean, you may have even said, well, you know, you can learn to fight here, but if you're really focused on your your fighting and that's what you want to do and you want to do that all the time and that's really the only thing you want to learn, you may have even pointed him to a different school, an MMA school or something like that. So I think that while, uh, you know, the instructor should know more than the students, um, should they be physically able or physically superior than them to be able to beat their ass? Uh, I've seen schools with instructors that were 80 years old. And yeah, as much as people want to talk about the mythology of, oh, you know, this 80-year-old this is, is an awesome martial artist and can beat the crap out of people, which is probably true. Um, if it, it, I don't care how long you've been doing it. If you're 80... And you go up against a guy who's 24 and has been training and disciplined, d- done discipline training in MMA for a year, you're going to get your ass beat. <laughs> that doesn't mean that this, this older person doesn't have valuable things to teach the younger person. And that, that doesn't mean that um, you know they can't make them better at what it is they do. So, you know, that's kind of why I, I, I really don't like the idea of dojo busting and, um, oh, what's, what's the point of your system if somebody can walk in off the street and beat you up? It's just, it's really so not about that. And if it is about that for you, um, then you probably need to find a, a, a place that fits your needs. Um, but honestly, uh, it, it, it to me also means that you may you may walk into a school, and in fact, like you said in the green room, we were talking about this. You may find a school that's taught by a Rocky, but as we saw in Rocky three. <laughs> Uh, was it Rocky three? I think so. I'm not sure. Um, that doesn't mean they're the greatest trainer in the world or the best coach, uh, because teaching is a skill that's vastly different than doing. So at, to find a good teacher, you have to find someone that is skilled in teaching. Um, and also 
someone that's skilled in the techniques that you want to learn. Not that, you know, they're going to be able to do all those techniques or, you know, beat you up during a sparring session. Uh, but they can, they can make you better at what it is you want to do. How's that? Right. I think it was actually Rocky five. Rocky Uh, five. That's right. With the kid, right? Yeah. yeah. Two, two, he, he went against a Creed again. Three, he went against Mr. T. Four, he went against Dolph Lundgren. And then, uh, and he was kind of his own trainer for the fourth one. Right. Uh, so so, it was a bit of a mixed message. Yeah. Anyway, so they, uh, they uh, was, was how many was four? Okay, which one? Anyway, no, fine. Anyway, uh, point is this, but he needed a trainer, yeah. And so he went and and we've run into people all the time that you know have seen you know been fantastic martial artists or whatever, but they can't coach, they can't teach, they can't because what they have is an innate physical skill that perhaps you can't teach. Um, well, and I've I've talked to a lot of guys that are fantastic fighters that don't have any desire to teach. Not only do they, they, you know, they just want to do what they do and they have, they just don't have any desire to, to learn the act of teaching because it's, a, it is a skill all on its own. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, as Alex Sylvester said, absolutely. The, um, <laughs> that you know, was a stretch. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it, you know, topical. Yeah. Uh, themed. Yeah, the you know, as I've learned, I mean, I've only been really teaching for five years, six years, I guess, and uh, you know, and and I don't really have a firm grip on it yet. I mean, I'm I'm still understanding stuff that's going on. I'm still because every student is different, and especially, you know, in a a trainer, a dedicated boxing trainer situation, uh, you know, or a dedicated karate kid sort of situation, you have, you know, the the instructor and the student, and that's it, and they can all focus on it all the time. You know, if you're teaching a, a a vibrant class, you've got you know four or five people, different ages, different sizes, different intents, and 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 plus your own training. You know, from a martial arts standpoint, you know, I mean, we're all still keeping up with our training or trying to, at at the very least. So, and that's kind of how I tie that back into it. Is like you know, working on my training is like, what do I need to focus on, to you know, hold, you know, handle my end of the saw when, when we're, we're going at it. So like when we're sparring, you know, I'm training with this guy who's, you know, a second degree, he's two ranks below me, uh, in the martial arts, I've got a lot more experience than he does. And I, you know, I I have a, a bigger toolbox, but can I use all those tools against him, you know, or her, you know, can I, well, and some, sometimes the gap is, is, you know, uh, like I say, my example um, was was vastly exaggerated, but um, sometimes the gap is is small. I mean, someone, the difference, and and what we're talking about is a, is is really an extremely uh, sort of narrow viewpoint of what I feel the martial arts is all about, um, and and that's sparring and fighting. Uh, and so I think that when when you take a look at it from that standpoint and you say, well, two people trained in the same system, what's the difference between someone that's trained for uh, five years and ten years? Well, there's a big difference in knowledge of technique and knowledge of the system and and those kinds of things. But someone that's been sparring for five years versus someone that's been sparring for 10 years, um, I would not expect to see a whole lot of difference, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I, I don't, I think there's a, a diminishing return on, you know, like you said, you have a larger toolbox available, but you can probably throw out 90% of that right off the bat because, those the situation for those particular techniques just isn't going to come up, and so you know ninety probably ninety percent of what you learned in the last five years isn't or or probably won't directly apply to this particular sparring session. And I, you know I don't know what that means. A lot of people might say, well, why why would you do that? 
you know, why, why would you learn those, those forms for that five years? And why would you learn all those techniques if they can't be applied? And I guess my thing is, is that, well, they can't be applied in that particular sparring session or they can't be applied in, you know, when, when you spar, it's a, it's a very coordinated act. Um, and so I think a lot of what we learn, especially like the more esoteric techniques and things like that, just, just don't apply themselves well to the act of sparring. That is a very good point. Um, you know, because that's true. I mean, <clears throat> I'll, I have to go look for opportunities to use something like uh, it could be anything. It could be a trap or, you know, a jam, you know, anything, an arm bar, whatever, because in a sparring situation, it's it's pretty much dynamic. And, you know, regardless of what, you know, some people might say, sparring in the dojo in the, in the in the training hall it is it's got a, it's got some sort of rules it's got some sort of boundaries and there's stuff that you can't do so yeah I guess you know there's an argument to be made that uh, yeah someone an instructor has a level of knowledge that they you know cannot bring to bear because it's not in in that context you know viable um, and probably well and it's like you know if you if you take a, a look at just what I think is a relatively basic technique, um, like a reverse wrist lock. Um, I think in probably now I, I don't, I don't spar very often, but in my whole martial arts career, I think I've taken advantage of that once during sparring. <laughs> and I do think of that as a relatively basic technique. I, I would think that, you know, um, most martial arts that include, um, uh, a joint manipulation element would include a reverse wrist lock at a, a relatively low level. Yet, I've maybe used it once during sparring. So, at the same time, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a it's not a valuable technique to learn. It is a valuable technique to learn, but in the in the act of sparring, the exercise of sparring. It just doesn't happen that often. Um, so, you know, to support your point, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that you learn that you just don't use during sparring. And, and if you, and I've done this before too, if you say, okay, there's this particular technique that I've learned that I'm going to try to work into this sparring session so that I can develop it a little bit more. But a lot of times you really have to, to look for the opportunities to work them in. Right, and you know, and that's what I generally try and find myself doing when I'm sparring somebody. If you know, it's if I have the luxury of you know we're we you know we're sparring for you know, a couple minutes or whatever is is identifying like okay, this is what this person does. You know, they you know they they drop their hand or they they do a lot of jabs and a kick. You, or, you start to see the opportunity. Yeah, you start to see the telegraph. You start to see the 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 openings and stuff, and then to try and exploit those. Now, I think in a defense situation, that's not you, – you can't do that. And it's always been my contention that in a, a, def, a true defense situation, you're not going to be doing a stand-up fight. You know, it, Well, you're not going to say, I'm ready, you're ready, fists facing each other, let's go. Right, exactly. Yeah. Unless they've kidnapped your girlfriend and they're holding you hostage and you have to do that you know, underground street fight and then throw the fight but still make it look good, you see. Yes. Which happens see, that's... so often I don't even like to talk about it. Right. But I would like to take a moment and talk about um, the, I guess, the, the, the Mickey side of, of things, really, because the way I see it as an instructor, you know, you should have a, a strong foundation. You should have uh, that experience of, of doing it. You know, and and over the course of the years, which you know, I hope it's you know years that you've been working up towards instructing and then starting to instruct, and then it's been years of actual teaching that uh, you know you've learned how to put that stuff in and, and kind of you know smooth the way. And the, the the one of the translations for sensei is you know one who has come before, and so and that's kind of the way I look at it, and that's the way I, I tell a lot of the guys in my class is is like you know I'm not I'm not pushing karate into you, I'm showing you how it can be done. 
you know, I'm I'm just this I'm leading the class. I'm saying this right. is the way you know I I see it should be done. Um, but I'm I can't I can't push it into them. I can't make them perform a certain way. I can only say, well, here, here it is. You know, this is the standard. Can you meet it? You know, that kind of thing like that. But like when you come from a in a in a sparring standpoint, <clears throat> I mean, the way I've been teaching class since I've started my own class uh, has all been leading up to you know uh, being able to spar and being able to defend yourself and, and everything else. And so last year when we had our tournament, it was an, an inter dojo tournament. You know, I, I told my guy, I said, just you know. Spar the way we spar. And, uh, we can't do takedowns. We can't do joint locks because that, that wasn't allowed at that level. I said, just spar the way we spar. And he did a, uh, had a pretty good showing. And, uh, you know, because and, – and to me, that was like – that was my Mickey moment. It was like, okay, you know, this is the way you're going to do it, you know. Get the chicken right. rack, you know. And Get just, the chicken rack. This, this yeah. is the way you do it. And yeah. so uh, – and, and, and he had a pretty good showing. And some of the other instructors that watched him said, like, wow, he looked really good. And – and he even came to me afterwards and said, like, I just did what you told me to do. You know, I said, I did what we do in class every time, and which is kind of the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. So, you know, as an instructor, like, so when I look back at, at sparring and, you know, getting my, my tuchus wax every now and again, which is going to happen. I mean, it's, any given Sunday, you know, somebody's going to win, somebody's right. going to lose, right? Yeah. So, uh, in, so whenever I got kind of in that, that mental mode of, you know, evaluating my own performance – you know, I kind of st- stepped back from that and looked at it and go like, well, is it okay to be Mickey instead of Rocky? Is, you know, have I yeah. – w- was I ever going to be Rocky? I don't know, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I – you know, it's it's so weird because um, I think one of, the, one of the dichotomies of martial arts is that I have found anyway that martial artists have a tendency to be – very insecure people. <laughs> and I, I do think that oftentimes, um, it's a, it, it's a feeling of, I have to prove myself. Um, and you know, I did a big blog post on the, the value of a black belt and I did some research on that. And when I was, I remember when I was doing research, Um, I found a lot of stuff on the internet about people saying, well, do I really deserve this black belt and what does it mean? And, uh, it was a lot of people questioning, constantly questioning their own skills and their own abilities. And, uh, am I good enough and why am I doing this? And, uh, I think for a, for an instructor to, to be able to step back and go, look, I, I'm I'm not going to be that elite athlete, uh, and I'm not going to be the guy that steps into the ring and goes to the tournament and has a, a bunch of trophies. And that that is that is not what that's not where my life is for me personally. That's not where my life has ta- has taken me. Um, at the same time, that doesn't mean that I don't have, um, quality knowledge that I think would be valuable to other people and can't teach it in a way that I think it would be enjoyable and, and useful to them. And in fact, uh, one of the things I, I see myself doing sometimes, and I haven't taught in a while, but when I, when I was actively teaching, I would be in a class uh, as a student and instead of focusing on the technique, the instructor was teaching, I was actually paying more attention to how they were doing it. So for me, it kind of evolved from a learning the act to a, how to, how to learn the best way to teach. Uh, and I think that transition is a natural one and it just happens because like i say we can't we can't all be elite level athletes so you just gotta you gotta hope that you can be a great teacher and that the students that are drawn to you fit well and you have something valuable to share with them absolutely the i guess probably one of the things that you know that creates being a a a mickey you know, rather than Rocky, or maybe maybe making the transition is especially in martial arts. 
is actually taking the time to you know be introspective and go like <clears throat> not not so much you know I, I can't do this I you know I th- th- this is beyond me whatever is just looking at it as the challenge of like how can I make this better how can I reach that you know next level how can I uh, you know refine my technique how can I polish this move how can I maybe be more efficient and you know and I, and I think it probably goes through maybe that that level of like you know how can I be quicker well maybe I can't be quicker you know, maybe I just need to be more efficient. You know, how do right. I be stronger? Well, maybe I can't be stronger, but maybe I can be more accurate. You know, maybe. Well, uh, and I, I think, I, I think too. There's, there's a transition between how can I be quicker and how can I teach quicker. Not you know, and teach the concept of being faster. Um, All because, right, and, and and I think you probably get that. You know, at, at a level from. You know, looking at your own technique and and trying to figure that out, like you know, how did this how did this work for me? How do I get to be a little bit quicker? How do right. I be a little more, uh, you know, accurate? Of you know, I mean, because like one of the things that I do, and one of the drills that I that I do is just <clears throat> is is having someone punch at you, you know, and like like for example, like doing a wrist lock or whatever. You know, we have a flow drill that we do, and that we end up. Uh, you know, going into different locks and, and, and stuff like that. Well, one of the things that I do is I just, you know, say something, just throw a punch, and all you're doing is just trying to trap, but just on the basic trap of, like, you're trying to get a hold of the arm. That's it. That's all you're trying to do. Get a hold of the arm. Get a hold of the arm. And, you know, it's just, that's the fundamental thing that, you know, over the years I've looked at it and go, like, you know, there's the, that's the entry point that you got to try and get. Now, how do I get there? You know, I'm not fast enough to get there, so I've got to work on my spacing. I've got to work right. on... You know, you yeah, you know, whatever it is, however it is that I can, that I can get yeah. there, and along the way, you're going to trip on, you know, concepts, and you know that this might not work for me, this may work for that person. So, keeping that on board, and as opposed to just going like, you know, how can I do this? Okay, that's how I do it, and move on. You know, it, it's it. I think it being becoming a Mickey is probably much more introspective, because you're not worried about, you know, uh, maintaining a standard, a physical standard, and you're not worried about uh, achieving a certain level or whatever. You know, it's it's not so much a mental game as it is a physical game. Whereas, you know, as, as a Rocky, as a, as a Mickey, it's much more of a mental game. You know, to trick or to to best the physical part of it. And, well, and I think it's much more of a of a intellectual pursuit, really, because, and and I think maybe here's here's the difference between the the five-year student and the 10-year student or whatever is that if um if i said to you uh, you know if i were your student and i said well you know i i feel like i've i've got to work on my speed i think that's something that's important do you think next class we could work on in improving my speed and <laughs> you would go back and you would put together a, a one-class curriculum of, I don't know, maybe just speed drills. Maybe that would be fun for the whole class to be like, okay, all we're going to do is work on making everything faster today. So so let's put together a set of drills um, to work on our speed and our reaction time uh, and our timing and, and all that jazz. And the ability to to put together an effective a training session or curriculum or whatever you want to call it um, to enhance, say, a particular skill like speed uh, is a lot more difficult than just being fast. <laughs> I mean, you you as a student will then you know train all that stuff and you will get faster, but it's a different level to then have to explain it back to somebody or train someone else to do the same thing. I, there's been a lot of times where, you know, not just in martial arts, but in a lot of different aspects of my life where somebody's like, well, how did you do that? And I go, I, I don't know. And I remember the first time I was in a class where they were teaching front kicks. I mean, it was a, it was a big white belt class. And what they would do is they broke it down into four steps uh, the first step is raising the knee. The second step is extending the foot. Then you bring the knee back, and then you set the foot down. And 
yes, for some people, a front kick is tough to put together, believe it or not. And, and I think a lot of people forget that that is a tough thing to put together. And when you sort of move into the the Mickey stage of your career, you have to realize that that's a tough thing to put together. And then you have to figure out good training techniques to advance people as fast as they can or as effectively as they can and pull out training techniques like that, that, that I can't tell you how many times a lot of people are just like, wow, I that that I was really able to kind of put it together after I did it slowly like that and after I did it in these steps and then was able to push everything together. So those are the kinds of things that um, you lo- you don't learn by just doing you you learn by learning how to teach it. Yeah, constant analysis, constant, you know, and I I think that the the Mickey begins within the Rocky of, you know, I guess whatever, you know, when we all started, I mean, you know, pretty much everyone. They want to be, everybody wants to be a Rocky. Everybody wants to be. I don't think anybody starts out going, well, I want, I want to be Mickey someday or, or I want to be Miyagi uh, someday. They, they, everybody starts out wanting to, to be Rocky and, and Danielson and win the champion and go on to fame and fortune. Right. And, and then, but I think it probably at some point, you know, you start to either run up against your, your physical limitations, you know, or, you know, maybe even mental limitations, like what you're talking about. Uh, I call Rayman karate. There's, there's times that we'll do a technique and someone will, you know, throw a punch to kick, you know, whatever they'll do a technique and I'll do something. And, People be like, "Wow, that was awesome! What did you do?" I don't know. <laughs> uh, know? Can you play it back for me? Because I'm yeah. not sure. Some of these events, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I did. Yeah, it right. was awesome because you know I ended up with you in a lock and on the ground. Right. That was awesome. I don't right. know how I got there. Yeah. You and know, so and, then I, and that and that is part of the Mickey phase is that you have to you have to learn how to break stuff down and pull it back and so that you can teach it. Right. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, can you punch me again? You know, well, no, my hand didn't go there. And then how do I get there from there? And then that's again, you know, part of that refinement. And I put that away and I think about it and I, you know, and then how, so how does that work better for, you know, like, uh, you know, we had a, a new two technique that we put into the sets and, and I was trying to show somebody, I actually showed an eighth degree cause he'd never seen it before. And he was like, and I was like, okay, well, you do it like that, and then you come here, and I was like, well, you know, but if you do that, it opens it up a little bit more, and you can put your arm in or whatever. And I was, and and so I was, in effect, teaching an eighth degree black belt a technique, and it was only because he'd never seen it before, but because, and and part of me was going like, well, you know, he understands this at a, a level beyond me, and so I'm trying to cipher this out so I can explain it to him better, which I probably didn't. I probably just need to say like. You know, do this, tweak that, and then boom, and he would have got the rest of it. Right, but, but you know, it's funny that that you say that because I think just like what we're talking about, um, when when you're talking to an eighth degree, there there may be some aspects of martial arts that that you are better at than he is. It's I don't think I don't think being a higher belt or have even having more experience means that you are better at every aspect of your style and the martial arts than everyone with a lower belt. I I, I just don't, (laughs) I don't think it can be defined that way. I think that would be crazy if that's what people would assume. Yeah. And yeah, and that's kind of the whole thrust of the thing is, you know, that's kind of what it made me feel was like, well, I outrank these people and yet, you know, this guy's beating me or that guy's quicker than me. And, you know, I can't get a lock on that guy, you know, Whatever it is, is and but you know so internally I'm going like yeah I should be able to do this because I'm a fourth degree black belt and I am a karate instructor and, oh, big, and big yeah and yeah. so I should be able to do that and then right but in the course of doing this technique and and working on the heavy bag and stuff like that and making the jokes about about Mickey in class I kind of got to think and I was like well maybe maybe I'm just Mickey you know and I and am I okay with that which is kind of maybe the thrust of of the thing is as martial artists is it okay to be Mickey. You know, is it okay to be Rocky? You know, is it okay to just be Rocky? And I think yes, it is. But you know, I just you know, I think I'm wondering if there's if everyone runs up against that in their career where they go. I would I would imagine because you can't. The thing is, is that even if even if you do get to a place in your career where you can be a Rocky, um, not being Rocky is inevitable. 
it, it's it's well, although with that last movie, Rocky was still Rocky. But uh, <laughs> point being is yeah, is but just you, barely. <laughs> but just barely, yeah. The point being is is you get old and slow. And though, and, although actually, you know, but if you think about it, in the last movie, he relied on his training less than his. You know, it was it was you know. Remember, there was that big scene between with him and um, uh, Duke, who was the the new trainer guy that used to be Apollo Creed's trainer, and he was like, you know, you can't run because your joints are all jacked up. You know, you can't. Right. You know, you, you can't see out of that eye, so you got to stay on this. You know, you can't. Right. You know, you you can't uh, punch this way because your knuckles are all shot. You know, is just yeah. lining all the stasis. So we're going to focus on this. Right. You know, and so. That's what they focused on, and that yeah. that's what was effective. And then the training of, you know, however long, you know, Rocky's career was, was what he employed in the ring to meet those goals of, like, I can't do this, but I can do this. You know, I have this well, trick and, that I can and do. I, I guess my point is is that it's, it's, it's inevitable that you will no longer win. Um, you just, in, a, in, in any physical sport, or activity or whatever it is, um, you get to a point where someone becomes better than you are. And it's, it's inevitable. There's, there, it's, it's completely unavoidable. There is no way that, um, even, you know, the Gracie's or the Mikado's or, uh, you know, whoever you pick, there, there will be a day when, when they are, are too, infirmed to compete at the world-class level and so even if you want to be a rocky that's great but there will be a point in your career where you are just physically unable to do the things that you were able to do when you were younger and that's just a fact of life and in fact i would almost argue that for a lot of the more physical martial arts that day will come sooner um, because oh, yeah. you're 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 abusing your body quite a bit um, in, well, yeah, in a lot you, of the more physical arts. And we've talked about it in previous shows about people who, you know, they talk about you know training hardcore and you know training this, you know, getting in there and just really going at it in the sparring sessions and you know breaking bones, quote unquote, and you know blah 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 blah. And it's like okay, well, but you know how is it going to affect you down the road? You know how is it going to? You know, yeah, when you're sixty, you're going to be. That's not going to be fun. Yeah, or even, you know, later, like, you know, if you are in class, let's say, and you're really, you know, working it up and you break your hand and then you have to get into a defense situation, can you train, you know, can you do what you do? You know, is that the only tool you have? Is your only tool you have is a punch and a kick and you, you know, twisted your knee and broken your hand and you can't do those, then what do you do? Yeah, well, I've I've thought of that too when I just have, when I walk out of class with, sore legs mm-hmm. you know there have been some classes where my my legs have been so sore the next day that i can't lift them up and i just i always kind of laughed to myself boy if 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 someone mugged me right now or wanted to get into a fight i, I couldn't do anything my my arms are too my legs and arms are just too sore to, to be able to move them effectively right and um, and so maybe that's part of the fostering of the mickey is going like okay well how can i do this more efficiently so I don't end right. up there, you know. How, well, how do I? And, and and see, that's the thing is that part of what part of what Mickey has to consider that Rocky does not is that Mickey has to keep his fighter healthy, and so Mickey has to know that he's got to train him hard enough so that he improves his skills, but not train him too hard that he'll be unable to perform when the time comes. And that is not something that Rocky isn't even, he's not even thinking about it when he's doing the training. Rocky is just training uh, and he's doing what Mickey tells him to do. And all these are all metaphors, obviously. Um, But he just doesn't even have to think about it uh, because part of, I I had, you know, I had one instructor um, that uh, I remember he told me once, he's like, well, different people have different signs that I'm pushing them too hard. Um, like I'm, I'm just, I'm a sweater. I sweat all the time in class. I just, I sweat easily and I sweat profusely. Um, 
one of the other guys that we had in class was not. He was almost the opposite, but he'd get crazy red faced. Like when he started to, like even when he exerted himself a little bit, he would get crazy red faced. Um, but each student was different, and the instructor knew when to start pulling back a little bit on on pushing us based on you know what our different physical reactions to were were to getting pushed too hard, and that's a skill that you need to learn as an instructor. And like I said, if, you know, if, if you want to just train, if you want to be a forever student, absolutely. You can be a student when you're 60, you can be a student when you're 80. Um, there's no need to, uh, to ever be an instructor if you don't want to be one at the same time. Uh, if, if you want to be the top student in your school slash federation slash world there's just there's gonna come a day when you're not and that day you're gonna have to face well you know am i just doing this for giggles or should i take up the piano now or uh, <laughs> what, what what's the point of all this and do i do i want to start thinking about sharing this with other people yeah hey, I, I probably you know in the short term it's like you know you need to have a you need to kind of start out rocky and then, you know, probably for the long run, you need to start incorporating your Mickey, you know, and uh, because, you know, you have you have to control this. Like I tell my students, I said, you know, you are in charge of your training. I'm in charge of showing you that training. I'm in charge of guiding that training. But you're in charge of that training. So, you know, there needs to be a, an internal monologue going on. Like, am I doing this right? Is this where it needs to be? You know, because... Uh, Martial and that's art. not just with physical techniques, but that's that's with everything. I know that for me, um, I, I realized that someday I wanted to teach, and I went I went to my instructor at one of my schools and said, "Hey, I can I start to do warm ups? Can I take a class here or there? I I want to get some experience teaching because that's the direction that I chose uh, for my martial arts." So you're right. Everybody needs to sort of keep track of that and really you know the first time the the first time a student takes the the warm-up session is the first time they start their their journey to to mickey dump if you will right because i mean and probably the the obverse sign of that converse the other side of that coin is you know is someone who is just focused completely on the physical side totally being iraqi and then something happens you know, they they blow out their knee. They, you know, anything, something. And, yeah, and so they can't, injury will, will change that equation real fast. Yeah, but they can't they can't perform at that level anymore, and they they think they're supposed to, and you know, probably maybe in the course of their career they are supposed to be able to operate, but they can't. And so, but they have not been in touch with their inner Mickey, so they don't know how that that path might be far more painful. Uh, pardon the metaphorical pun than it would be. If they were just to have embraced in the beginning and go like, okay, you know, I've been doing this a few years. Yeah, let me lead the basics. Let me, you know, okay. And that's that's one of the things that I try and foster in my class is, you know, I'll have, okay, well, you've, you know, you're ninth Q now. So you should have a basic handle on the basics. Okay, so you lead the basics tonight and see those two new guys that start over there. After we do that, I want you to go work with them on the basics. So that way you're already starting to foster your Mickey. You know, you may not like it. You may not want to do it in it but right. it's, it's like but i understand that that's an important component of your training you the yeah. instructor well, the student may not understand it but the instructor should yeah and and i think too you know one of the things that back to kind of what you said as far as um guiding your own training i think too that there's a um it's it's a it's an issue of focus and if if you decide as a student that what you want to focus on is the the physical aspect of the martial arts then certainly you can you can focus on that uh i think it's important to sort of dabble in everything else to be at least relatively well-rounded but um just as if your focus is well i really want to have my own school and be an instructor someday then obviously you you need to learn the techniques you need to learn the physical side of it but maybe not quite as intensely as someone that who's who's focused on the physical side. So um, I think, well, 
the the overall training is the same uh changing your focus as a student changes what you learn and 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 your experience and the direction that you want to end up going with your training absolutely and i think that's a good place to uh put this topic to bed I think so. I, I think that was a that was a good conversation. I think that uh, I'm very curious to see if if anybody has their own opinions, uh, and I, I'm curious to head up to the forums after this goes live and see what other people's opinions are. Yes, and we would love to hear it. We remember you can go absolutely. To the, we can go to the forums at karatecafe.com and uh, join if you haven't already joined. Uh, you can also email us at karatecafe at gmail.com. Uh, give us a call on the comment line, whichever you want to do. We have had a little more, uh, little more action on the boards. Yeah, that's right. After, after the catastrophic failure of the mainframe that we had uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, that I had to uh, contend with. Um, but they're back up, and uh, and and that was the part of the the whole deal with K Day was, you know, is anyone even interested in the forums? If you guys aren't aren't going to do it, that's fine. That's one less thing that we have to deal with. Yeah, uh, the the. That's a that's kind of a maintenance nightmare for you, right? But the, but the whole point is, is you know, we talk about it, but we want to hear your opinions as well. So please, for the for the love of Zenu, uh, log <laughs> into the forums and and give us your uh, your your two yen, yes. as it were. Yes. Well, it was good talking to you again, Paul. You too, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your insight. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to be moving in the next three weeks, so things will be a little bit chaotic, but hopefully we can. At least get together once a month and do this. That's right, uh, and yeah. and just for everyone who knows that contributed in K Day, we're not actually paying for Dan's house. That that's not what it was for. <laughs> Man, if if we were getting that kind of donations, uh, yeah, we'd have he. I just I just move in with you then. We do the podcast all the time. That's right, from our very own uh, high tech dojo. That's right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. It's good talking yeah. to you as always. Thank you, Paul. And we will talk to you all again very soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Karate Cafe. Remember, you can help support this podcast by going to our sponsor, Piranha Gear. Go to piranhagear.com and let them know Karate Cafe sent you. You can also support the show by donations. Go to karatecafe.com, click on the support button, donate as much as you like, or as little as a dollar a show. That's all we ask. And as always, you can continue the conversation on the forums at karatecafe.com. We'll talk to you again very soon.